Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. One of the wisest things that a person can do is to agree with God. And because most of the time people rely upon their own understanding, trusting in their own knowledge, they miss out on the truth of God. And let me give you an example. Recently, I was talking to an individual, and this is what this person said. As long as I'm in the kingdom of heaven, that's all that matters to me. And that may sound good to many people, but here's the problem. When we look at the instructions of Messiah, he tells us that we should desire and to act in a way that we will be great in the kingdom of God. Not just entering in, but entering in in a most pleasing way to God. What does that mean? That we have abundance of good works. That our life reflects the instructions of God. That we are committed to Him and we have a witness that shows how much we truly love our Lord and Savior. So strive to be great in heaven. And here's the problem. Nowhere in the scripture, in fact, we are going to see clearly in God's word that it's not the same for everyone in the kingdom of heaven. Those who are faithful in the little things will be faithful in the greater things and therefore, because of their faithfulness, they are going to have an abundance of rewards. Why is that important? Because these rewards we lay at the feet of our Messiah. And those rewards testify of our love, our commitment unto Him. In other words, what His salvation meant to us. They measure the faithfulness of an individual. And we should desire to be very, very faithful. Once we become a believer, we should desire to live in a way that is in obedience to the will of God. Well, take out your Bible and look with me, if you would, to the book of Luke and chapter 10. The book of Luke and chapter 10. Now, we're going to see that Messiah, and by the way, the Bible says that all judgment has been given to the Son. What does that mean? It means that all punishment, all judgment, all condemnation, all wrath is not going to be from God the Father, but from God the Son. We know, for example, in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, it speaks about the wrath of the Lamb. And when we look at the book of Revelation, and we see all these things that God is going to pour out upon this world, it is known as the wrath of the Lamb. It is Messiah who is judging the world. And therefore, we need to have a proper perspective of Messiah. 
Yes, he is gracious. Yes, he abounds in mercy and forgiveness. Yes, he died upon that cross for your sins and my sins. But if we reject that good news of the gospel, therefore, by rejecting it, we are going to be a recipient of his all-consuming wrath, his eternal punishment, his torment that will last forever and ever. And that is exactly what the Bible says. Now, in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see that Messiah is demonstrating his power, both through himself and through his disciples. We talked about how the disciples were sent out, not just the twelve, but in the Texas Receptus, we see that 70 apostles, we might say, 70 disciples went forth in order to serve God in a unique way. And now we're going to see something that's in regard to their work. Look with me, if you would, to verse 13. Now, we know many of Yeshua's ministries were done in the Galilee, along the, the Sea of Galilee, in three primary places, and that is Chorazin, Bethsaida, and what's known as Kephar Nahum or Capernaum. And notice what he says here in verse 13. He writes, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Why? Well, he's going to give us why he is angry with these cities. They saw the power of God. They saw numerous miracles. But here's the problem. They weren't interested in responding. Ask yourself a question. When God reveals something to me, am I quick to respond? Let me say it a different way. Are you quick to agree with the word of God? His instructions to us. That's what faithfulness is. We have been saved by grace through faith. And that grace, when it enters into the believer, that grace causes a change. We become a new creation. And the evidence of being that new creation is this. We have a new heart. A heart that been established by God. And the evidence of that is we agree with God. We want to serve God. We want to put his word into action in our life because we know that is the good thing. And what do we see here? We've seen these two places, Chorazin and Bethsaida. Even though they have been convicted through the miracles of Messiah, they are non-responsive. And notice what he says here. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Because if in Tyre and Sidon were done the miracles that took place in you, what does he say? Long ago in sackcloth and in ashes, they would have sat and repented. So we see something. Tyre and Sidon are in Lebanon. They are places that are outside the borders of Israel at that time. And many times people would think that these individuals would be less committed to God. But what they're saying is this. 
the scripture is teaching us that if these powerful miracles that Messiah did, had they been done there in those locations in Tyre and Sidon, it would have produced a change in those people. Now, by the way, Tyre and Sidon, yes, outside of Israel at that time and even today, these places are located in Lebanon, but realize something. In the time of Messiah's earthly ministry, these two places had large Jewish communities. And what it was saying is something very similar. And that is this, many of the Jewish community took uh, pride and consolation that they were in the land of Israel, not in the diaspora. But what it's saying here is that those in the diaspora, those who were further away from the land and the implication is from God, these individuals, they, even though physically they were further away from the promised land, they were more sensitive than those who were in fact in Israel. And it says here that long ago in sackcloth, and in ashes, they would have sat and, notice the last part of, of verse 13, they would have repented. Actually, it is they had repented, meaning this. God knows all things. He can see the future. He can know what has not been. God is all-knowing. And he's saying these individuals, had they saw such mighty acts of God through Yeshua, that is through Jesus of Nazareth, they would have repented. And the reason why it's in the past tense is many times in the biblical language, the past tense speaks to that which is in its entirety. They would have completely or wholly repented. Move on to verse 14. It says here, however, Tyre and Sidon, it will be more tolerable in the judgment. So it will be more tolerable for those places on the day of judgment. That's implication. Why? Well, to whom much is given, much is expected. And to who little is given, less is expected. And therefore, this is a good example of teaching us something that is going to be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than for Chorazin and Bethsaida in that time of judgment. What does that mean? It means that judgment is not going to be the same for all who are outside the kingdom of God. There are degrees of punishment. And in the same way, there are different degrees of rewards, meaning this. When we enter into, and let's be be looking at this from an eternal perspective. When one is in the kingdom of God, specifically the New Jerusalem, it is no reason to believe that it's going to be the same experience for everyone. God is that faithful judge. And the scripture says that he is going to record, reward everyone according to his works. Now, it's not talking about salvation here. That is through the gospel. So the gospel determines where we're going to spend eternity, and there's only two places, 
either in that lake that burns with fire, remember, hell's going to be cast into that, or in the new Jerusalem, that final state of the kingdom of God. Every individual, we can say it differently, every soul is going to be in one of these two places, either in that lake that burns with fire and brimstone or in the new Jerusalem from an eternal perspective, only these places. And again, what the scripture is saying is this. Those in the lake of fire and brimstone, they're not all going to experience the same degree of judgment. Likewise, those who are in the new Jerusalem, they're not all going to experience the same degree of salvation, of blessings, of the promises of God. God is going to render to everyone according to his works. Now, read on to verse 15, where it says, And you, Kepharnachum, this is Capernaum, and you, Capernaum, although exalted into the heavens, meaning because Yeshua, when it came time for his earthly ministry to begin, he left Nazareth, and he went to this place known as Capharnaum. Why? Because prophetically, according to Isaiah, and you can see this at the end of Isaiah chapter 8 and the beginning of chapter 9, that there's a prophecy that this is where the revelation of Messiah, the light, is going to begin. Between the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, along the sea, and this is where Capernaum or Capernaum is. So we see that, that it was exalted to the heavens. Why? Because heaven came to this location. How? Yeshua, who descended from heaven into earth, taking on the form of a human being, a servant. He came to Capernaum. And it says, even though Capernaum was exalted up into the heavens, it says, but until, and we have the word Hades, which is a place of punishment, it will be brought down. So just because Messiah was there and he honored this place in a mighty way doesn't mean that the inhabitants of this place are going to reap the benefits. Look now to verse 16. In verse 16, Messiah goes back to talking concerning those 70 that were sent out two by two. And this is what he says concerning them. The one who hears you, meaning listens to, to these 70, it says, hears me. And the ones who, and this is not paying attention, not hearing, not uh, uh, receiving, but rather rejecting you, me, this one rejects. And then he says at the end of verse 16, and the one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Now, who is he speaking about here? Who sent Messiah? God the Father. And here's what we see. In order to have, and this is foundational, and let me just say to you, that, that there are many within the Messianic movement, and I put myself in that, that group. There are many in the Messianic movement that are confused. And they'll say such things as this. 
because of the belief in the Trinity, and I strongly believe in the Trinity, they'll say this. If you believe in the God of Israel, then because of the Trinity, you also believe in Messiah. That is not the case. Many people believe that the God of Israel exists, but they reject Yeshua by name and they do not have salvation. What is this scripture telling us? This scripture is telling us is if you reject Yeshua, you reject the one who sent him, meaning this, no one, and hear this carefully, no one can have a relationship with God the Father if they reject God the Son, that is Yeshua, and not accept him according to his name. And again, I say this oftentimes, if you speak Hebrew, that name is going to be Yeshua. If you speak English, it's going to be Jesus. If you speak Spanish, it's going to be Jesus. If you speak Greek, it's going to be Jesus. So it's not important how you pronounce that name. You pronounce it according to your language, but if you reject him, you are rejecting God the Father. Look now to verse 17 where it says, But the 70, and here again, if your Bible says 72, it doesn't follow the Texas Receptus. It follows a different one. It says, But the 70 return, and notice this, return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons were subjected to us in your name. And I would underline, highlight, in your name. Why is that so important? Because this phrase, in your name, means in your character. And here's the truth. The power and authority, and we'll talk more about that in a moment, that these 70 had, it came in the name of Yeshua when they were demonstrating, and here's the big takeaway, when they're demonstrating and living according to his character. He was humble. He came to serve. He didn't come to receive. He didn't come to become wealthy. He came to humble himself and serve his father. And when we exemplify that same character, there is going to be that anointing, that power, that authority upon us. This is what he's saying in this passage. Look now to verse 18. But he said to them, I saw. Now, this is a word for perceiving something. And it says here that Messiah, based upon the fact that they were living in his character, doing his will, what does he say? He said to them, I saw Satan as lightning from heaven having fallen. And this term for having fallen speaks about defeat and here's the message when i live humbly when i am committed to the purposes of god when i demonstrate and display the character of messiah in my life and how i serve him then what's going to be the outcome we are going to live in a victorious way and the enemy whether we're talking about Satan, whether we're talking about unclean spirits or demons, they are going to be defeated. Now, in one sense, they've already been defeated through the cross, but they're still alive and working in this world. 
And if we're going to have victory over them, and we're called to, it's when we exemplify, display the character of Yeshua. And when we are fully and totally committed to his will and not our own. And that's why he says here that he saw Satan as lightning. That means quickly falling out of heaven, meaning being defeated. Verse 19. He says, and this is what we're referring to about authority. Behold, I give to you authority, authority to trample over serpents and scorpions. Now, why those two things? Well, one time I was in a city just a little bit northeast of Tel Aviv, and the city is B'nai Barak. Now, as most of you know, I live in Israel. And B'nai Barak is a very, very religious place in Orthodox Judaism. And I happened to be there and wanting to attend a lecture. And after lecture, I was able to speak to the one who gave that lecture, and I asked a question. I said, in your opinion, and I gave him this verse. I didn't tell him where it was from. I said, this is a religious passage in Judaism. What does it mean? that I give you authority over the serpents and the scorpions. I thought his response was very enlightening. He says that snakes are outside. They are external. But the scorpions, they tend to come into places, and they sting people usually inside of a building in one's home. And therefore, what it's saying here is that the authority that we have been given, it is for the external and the internal, meaning this. It has power over those things that are physical and those things that are spiritual. Those things that are external, the outer part of a human being, and the internal, the emotional, spiritual. And therefore, what this passage is saying is this. I give you authority to trample, that is to defeat all things. Those things that are physical, those things that are spiritual. So it's a good message. And then he says, keep reading, and over all the power of the enemy. And it says, and no one you will harm. Meaning this, no one will be able to harm you. Now, what's he saying? When we walk in obedience, when we walk in that anointing, when we are demonstrating those things that bring the character of Messiah and the anointing of the Spirit into our life, what can we expect? We can expect victory and that no harm from an eternal standpoint is going to come upon us. Look at verse verse 20. Yet... In this, do not rejoice that the spirits are subjected to you, but rather rejoice. And this is what I really appreciate when he says, Rejoice rather that your names are written in heaven. We could say that differently, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that you have salvation, that you have that kingdom hope. Well, let's press on. Look at verse 21. In that hour, Yeshua rejoiced in the spirit and said, 
I confess to you or acknowledge to you, Father, Lord of heaven and Lord of earth, that you have concealed, that you have hidden these things from the wise ones and the understanding ones, and you have revealed them to who? Babes. Now, that means those who, and this word for a infant has to do with those who are totally dependent upon their parents. And what it's saying is this. If you want the principle that's being taught is this. If you want revelation from God, then you need to be someone who utterly depends upon him for all things, recognizing your absolute need of him for all things. Only when we do that and depend upon him, trust him, rely upon him, is he going to give us that, that wisdom? Yes, he says, Father, that thus it came about that it was good. Many Bibles will say well-pleasing. It literally says it seemed or it was thought good, meaning according to your will before you. Verse 22, and all things have been given to me from my father. And no one knows the son, who the son is, except the father. And who the father is, except the son. Now, what's he talking about here? This great intimacy between God the father and God the son. And we can't know them in and of ourselves. Of course, God the Father knows God the Son perfectly, and God the Son knows God the Father perfectly. But uh, we don't, in the natural, know them. How? Only through, notice what it says, only the one that he, that is the Son, desires to reveal. So we see that when we receive the gospel, that brings about Yeshua's desire to reveal himself and God the Father to us verse verse 23 and he turned to the disciples privately and he said blessed are the eyes the ones who have seen what you have seen verse 24 last verse for i say to you that many prophets and many kings now prophets they heard from god they were a recipient of much revelation. And kings, they were wealthy. They had all the wealth of the world. Kings were those who possessed almost everything in that kingdom. And therefore, it says here, I say to you, many prophets, those who were the recipients of much revelation, and many kings, they desire to see what you saw but they did not see and to hear what you heard and they did not hear what he's saying is this through faith in messiah we find ourselves in a wonderful position through a new covenant relationship by means of the gospel we have access to things and have seen things that others have not now of course he was talking to his disciples but God is still moving. The ministry of Yeshua is still present in this world, and he reveals great things to those who love him and surrender totally unto him. Be wise and trust him completely.
Well, I'll close with that. Until next time, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.